Hello friends, fans, and family. This is Chris Manganelli with Tactical Cinematic Development, also known as TCD. For more information, www.tacticalcinematicdevelopment.com or hit us up on Instagram, TCD underscore action. That's TCD underscore action. And if you want to learn a cool martial arts move in a minute or less, that is PIT underscore fight. That's pit underscore fight. All right, so today we're going to talk about weapon disarms in cinema versus reality. So let's start with cinema. Now, first and foremost, before you could possibly learn how to disarm uh, a weapon, and today we're talking about pistols and revolvers, all right? Disarm a weapon, um, you got to learn how to wield that weapon, all right? And there's a podcast that I that I hosted about um, wielding weapons, so you might want to check that out, you know, specifically firearms, what we're talking about right now. I digress. Anyway, so... You gotta learn how to wield the weapon. You gotta look totally legit wielding the weapon. But aside from that, in learning how to handle and wield the weapon, you also need to learn the moving parts of the weapon. Well, moving and not moving. You know, the grip, the trigger, trigger guard, um, if it's a pistol, the slide, um, and so on. And when you learn how to do that, then learning how to disarm is so much easier. Because everybody understands which side of the pistol is the business end. And you don't want to be in front of the business end. So getting that out of the way, then the next step is, okay, how do you redirect the business end? How do you take control of the weapon? You know, how does the, you know, how does the, 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 the weapon work when it's, you know, held a certain way? You know, and so on. And you also need to understand anatomy and physiology. Just a bit. In other words... If you turn the weapon a certain way when disarming, how is the perpetrator's hand going to respond to that, right? What kind of stimulus does that provide to make the perpetrator do certain things that he or she would not want to do? So that's taking all these things uh, into consideration before even attempting to disarm. Now, the person most likely on set that would teach something like that would need to be the choreographer or the fight director. They should have some martial arts and also some tactical experience. However, if they don't have that type of experience for whatever reason, then the next best person to consult would be the armorer or the weapons master. Not that it's their job to choreograph. I'm not saying that. But they could be the ones to consult when you have questions about how does this weapon work? What's the difference, for instance, between a revolver and a pistol? Well, a revolver has what? A cylinder. A cylinder turns. So there are certain ways to grab that revolver to where the cylinder won't turn. And if the hammer's not pulled back, well, it won't fire. So these are things to take into consideration when doing a disarm uh, in cinema. And it's also a consideration in reality, but we haven't gotten quite there. So when you work with that partner or that fellow actor, then, you know, you're going to work over the moves piece by piece by piece. Okay. There's a lot of, co- just like with a lot of the things uh, in fight choreography, there's a lot of cooperation and, you know, there are also other things that determine the kind of disarm or ultimate fight scene, you know, that it's going to turn out to be. In other words, what's the director's vision? How was the scene written? What kind of character is it? Is it a character that genuinely has real, you know, expertise 
that is like second nature to them to simply disarm, even take the weapon apart. For instance, example, um, as you might remember, uh, Matt Damon plays um, uh, the the Bourne character, the Bourne supremacy, the Bourne identity, just Jason Bourne character, right? His character is a super secret, you know, agent mercenary guy, right? And she has these specialized government trained skills that allow him to do incredible things. Now, I'm not sure which Bourne uh, movie it was, but there was one such scene that's very striking. And that's when he was on a park bench somewhere in Germany and two cops approach him. It's nighttime wondering, hey, what are you doing there? He gets up. He's a little, you know, freaked out or whatever, doing the Bourne thing. And then, you know, as the scene progresses, you know, he starts, he nails one, hits the other. And then he dis. then one of the officers draws his weapon. I want to say it's a Glock. You know, they're in Germany, Glock, you know, you made the connection. Anyway, and when he disarmed them, he not only took the gun from the man, but he disassembled it and made it and rendered it inoperable. And then the scene goes on and on and he he goes on his merry way and the cops are on the floor. The point is, is that in order for him as an actor to be able to do that, he had to learn how to handle the weapon. He had to learn uh, the different parts of the weapon. And at that point, how to quickly disassemble the weapon. And that's what I am referring to. Now, let's trot over to reality. In reality, when it comes to a disarm, you don't know when it's coming. You don't even know when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. The key thing to remember is your response, right? You have to make a decision in a matter of milliseconds. I didn't say seconds, milliseconds. Now, there are a couple of ways to discover when there's a weapon pointed at you. And I know it sounds kind of stupid, but there are. For instance, there's the brandishing. Typically, when someone brandishes a weapon, that means they want something in return. They want to motivate some sort of behavior when they brandish. Other times, you won't even see it. That's when they're coming in for an assassination. And by the time you see it, it might be a little late. Or if you know the cues, you know, you see the bulge in the clothing, you see the mannerism, you see, you know, uh, the look in, you know, in, in, in the face, or you know that you happen to be in some part of town that is notorious for certain things, uh, you know, happening with regards to, you know, people using firearms and, and, and committing, you know, certain robberies and whatnot. But there's a couple of ways. Now, you're most lucky if they brandish because you already know what's going on. You already see the, where the weapon's at. You already are able to make a note of what the distance is. And in milliseconds, and again, it takes training, it takes a lot of training. In milliseconds, you know, okay, this is what needs to be done. The key thing to remember is if you're going to disarm someone with a, that's holding a handgun of some sort, albeit a pistol revolver in your face or pointed at you in general, if you decide to try to disarm them, then that's pretty much the point of no return because you have to get that weapon from them or risk getting killed, period. Um, Most of the time I would say, just give them what you got, give them your wallet or whatever. But if for some reason this person has somehow demonstrated and convinced you that this is literally life or death, they're gonna kill you anyway, 
then it would behoove you to try to disarm that person. And again, it requires training and it requires practice. But not only that, you need to know what that weapon does and how it does it. So going back to the movies. Now in the movies, you know when it's coming, you know how it's going down. The next thing to consider is what kind of a scene is it? And that really depends on how the scene is written, uh, the director's vision, and maybe you know how the producer helps put it put it together somehow, right? For instance, if it's a born identity character or even a John Wick character, um, they're going to be able to disarm relatively quick. It's going to be smooth and it's going to be clean. Most of all, clean. The disarm part, the part where they do like, let's say the stunning techniques or distractionary technique. Yeah, that can be a little dirty because let's face it, the assailant needs to know, feel and understand that pain, at least on screen. But what about if the protagonist or the hero or whatever is not that skilled? Then it becomes more of a drawn out tussle for that weapon. And those things, and that's an even more dangerous type of scene to film because if it's a tussle and it's life and death, then you have to be able to demonstrate that unpredictability on screen when in fact the actors already have that predictable sequence that they've already practiced. But the reason I say it becomes more dangerous is with a disarm, it's a couple of moves. The, uh, the actor that's being disarmed either takes a break fall or takes a, a fake punch or whatever the case might be or gets shot, whatever it is. And that's it. But when it's a scene where they're tussling and they're jostling for the weapon, well, then there's the chance of random elbows and you know wayward you know fists and, and headbutts and you know and then uh, you know objects in the scene that could create some level of danger. At that point, the actors are going to ask themselves: A, am I willing to take this chance? Or B, you know, for certain takes, do I have a stunt person or a body double come in there and do that? Now, if the actor you know wants to go you know full bore with it, then of course it's on them and it's going to require a lot of work. But if they don't, then, you know, the body double or stunt person takes over. Either way, it's choreographed, it's written, it's practiced, it's storyboarded, uh, it may even be timed. So that's the major difference. Now heading back to reality, in reality, like I said, you don't know where it's coming, where, how, or when it's coming. Secondly, you may even get shot once or twice before you even get control of that weapon because it's so sudden. They may try to come up and shoot you. You may notice this person at the corner of, from the corner of your eye. You react, you may get shot once, uh, but when the adrenaline hits, you're not gonna necessarily feel that shot. It's gonna feel like a burn, but the, your adrenaline's gonna be pumping so high that you're not gonna be feeling the full extent of that shot. Now, unless you're shot in a vital organ, then that's a different story. But if you're shot, let's say in the arm or in the leg, yeah, it's gonna burn, but your adrenaline is gonna go shoot way up. And that's how, you know, that's basically, you know, your body's natural instincts kicking in. And then from there, it becomes a royal tussle. At that point, you use whatever you have at your disposal to disarm that person while maintaining control of that weapon. And, First and foremost, at the inception, 
when you're trying to maintain control of a weapon, you're not just con controlling the gun, you're controlling what is holding the gun. You're controlling the hand, uh, the arm, and even the shoulder of the person holding the gun. What's on their mind primarily is, I don't want to lose my weapon. I'm supposed to be the one that's robbing here. I'm supposed to be the, the one that's in control. Now they're losing it all and they're going to panic. So at that point, with one hand you're holding and the other hand you're pounding away, you're hitting, you know, uh, vital spots, um, you know, such as the groin area, um, such as, you know, maybe the eye, certain things, whatever it takes to stun. And then once you take control of that hand that has the weapon, you turn and you manipulate that weapon in a way that is unnatural for the perpetrator or assailant's hand to function. And once that happens, they either have to let go of it or force or risk having, you know, something being forcibly broken, such as fingers or the hand itself. Then from there, you know, depending upon the kind of weapon it is, if it's a pistol, you, you, you know, you tap and rack, not tap and rack, you rack it, circle out, maintaining uh, the, the weapon pointed at them. And if it's a revolver, just pull that hammer back. Just that simple. And, you know, you turn you know, uh, outwardly maintaining, you know, um, the, the weapon trained on them, maintaining your eyes uh, on them. And if, you know, if at that point you run a run, you can run, call the police or whatever, or from there, maintain the weapon pointed at them and call the police. Key thing to remember, once you disarm somebody, create distance, immediate distance. All right. Uh, for instance, in law enforcement, reactionary gap. Well, reactionary uh, gap, let's say for an edge weapon is about 22 feet because they can reach you that quickly. But when the tables are turned, the reactionary gap for a gun, if you're holding it, is roughly the same, roughly 22 feet. Why? Because a human being can cover that distance in seconds, especially when they're motivated. So I highly recommend, you know, expanding that reactionary gap. Now, if you're, if you're the one that has the gun pointed at them, then reactionary gap is way further than that. So I hope this dispels some notions about movies and stuff like that. And I just wanted to go into a little bit of detail. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up and uh, let you know that nothing worth having is easy or free. All right. You got to work for it. You got to hustle hard. So remember, stay grinding, my friends. Stay grinding. Stay grinding.